everyone. This is the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. I'm here today, joined by Jody Shahada. Did I get it? I did. Jody Shahada. God damn, my tongue is not working this morning. Of Shahada Law PC. Okay. Why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself and get me out go. of this situation so I can just call you Jody going forward? <laughs> well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, yeah, my name is Jody Shahada. I'm an entertainment attorney um, specializing in music and all derivatives of entertainment that comes from that. And um, I've been practicing for quite a while now. I started my law firm at the peak of uh, the pandemic in 2020 and um it's been a really fun really wild ride with amazing clients ever since that's amazing to hear and um i commend you on coming through the pandemic with a invigorated passion for something uh, i think it created a lot of new endeavors for people uh <laughs> awakenings and passionate pursuits and, and different things like that and anytime we venture off into our onto our own um, coming out of a situation like that, generally it's a path that, uh, other people can follow. So, um, the more that I look through before I like to do my, my research and my homework before I speak with a guest and <laughs> you, I think I was saying earlier, like a Tootsie pop, like the dude, the owl's pissed. Cause it doesn't matter how many times you try to lick that pop, you're not getting to the Tootsie Roll Center because there's so much fascinating shit. I was like, my God. As I wow, was going thank through, you. Because everybody will probably ask you about the artists that you've worked with, and they're insanely uh, a big deal. I mean, LL Cool J, Jeanette Perez, uh, Ryan Press, um, DJ Snake, uh, who else? It, my God, like so many people. But what stands out to me when I'm reading a Billboard article is taking action in the moment. Jody reports that she's working on an initiative to examine the history of re recording agreements and racism in the industry to identify changes we can make to better protect an artist's income from use of its catalog. Or transparency in accountings for streaming revenue is an issue yes. that doesn't get a lot of attention, but has an enormous impact on gauging the fairness and accuracy of a creator's royalty income. Those are the great yes. things that I saw immediately when I was looking through because that stands out. That's not a lawyer that's just inking deals. Um, and I'll say that, you know, most people would be impressed with the list of clients that you had and the deals that you're inking. You want to know the background behind those, you know, cause you're working with Megan the stallion, 21 Savage, you know, what DJ snake, all these things that people hear those names. And they're like, Oh wow. This is uh this is the, the elite the coolest of the cool jobs. Yeah. Well, to clarify, my my clients, um, I worked for years with DJ Snake um, at my previous firm, and then um, my my clients at my new at my current firm are are kind of the magic makers that make music for Meg and um, Beyonce and um, Cardi B. Yeah. So absolutely, <laughs> that's what I was waiting to hear. Because the names that are there are the ones that are going to get people's attention. But I feel like your involvement with the music industry and the entertainment industry is not one of outside in. You're looking and from that, the inside out, right? I see yes. a creator advocating for creators, which is yes. <laughs> not the norm in these environments. Do you want to tell us why? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it really goes back to me being an angsty young teenager when I was about 12. <laughs> and um, I started playing the drums and I just thought it was the most cathartic, best experience. Um, you know, to be a little cheesy, I was so inspired by that scene in Empire Records where <laughs> where Joe starts banging on the kit and he's having a really hard day. And um, I picked up the drums from that. And it was amazing. I played um, in jazz, samba, bossa nova. My inspirations were Keith Moon, Art Blakey, um, Dave Grohl, uh, John Bonham, just these iconic drummers. 
and um amazing record shop yeah it was so much fun yeah i wish gary was here because he used to work in a record shop in vegas while he was in college and used to sell records and stuff to uh, like mike tyson and people like that but he's also a producer and i love music as well so when i see your face light Mm -hmm. up as you're going through these names and you're explaining your involvement (laughs) that is what people don't see behind the stage there's a collective group of people that love being who they are and creating what they create and that is echoing through that artist that's on the stage no disrespect to the artist on the stage but i think now with it being 2023 and the transparency that we have and how everything's created we're starting to see that there is no one artist the artist is the sum of their ability to collaborate with other hearts where they have passion simple as that 100 percent it takes a village a hundred percent you see these artists these iconic incredible artists on these stadium uh platforms and you know being in the business you see and know how much effort goes into that act from so many different people creatives business people the team um it's a huge industry behind that artist and um it's really inspirational to me to be able to work um with those people that help get those uh acts out onto the stage basically you got to recognize in those scenarios who's doing it for the love of the game and that's the group Mm -hmm. of people that you're describing they're never gonna get that moment where everybody's screaming their name and pumping their fists and saying give me the next one but they're not looking for that Mm -hmm. which makes them extremely unique it means that the art that's falling on the ears out there, whether they're coming through somebody else's mouth, it's still their voice. It resonates. It vibrates yes. through them. You get it. And I feel like you're looking for people that are in vulnerable positions throughout your work. Um, that's what I see with you know the the accomplishments, and then of course those statements that you made, looking back through record deals, looking at you know racism systemic issues within the industry where did you find that you had a voice for others it came down to again the teen years um i was really a passionate activist teen and i really got behind certain causes i was vegetarian for a number of years because i disagreed with factory farming i was pretty much into anything women's rights from the very beginning I from the moment I learned about it. I heard about some of my favorite bands breaking up because they couldn't make money from their record deal. And that was the real trigger. Yeah. Mm. Somehow, I don't remember the exact moment, but I learned that you could be a lawyer for artists. And I thought that that was the perfect blend of my interest of working with creatives, but not necessarily being a creative. I knew I, I didn't have that side to me. Um, I mean, <laughs> oh, what a fibber. I'm not going to We're going to find there, out Jay. later. I'm going to explain to everybody <laughs> listening. I would like to mark this moment where you said that and call okay. bullshit because you're an artist and okay. we'll discuss it later. <laughs> like, I'm putting a pin in that. Okay, we'll come back that to that. That was not true. <laughs> So yeah, I went to law school to just be a music lawyer and to help artists. And um, I was really, uh, you know, doing all the internships you could possibly do throughout law school. I, I interned at boutique entertainment law firm. I interned for a year at RCA Records. Um, and yeah, wow. after taking, you know, I graduated from law school in 2011. So we're in the real still of the 2008 crash basically and mm, yeah. no one was hiring it was a very scary time um i was bartending on the side <laughs> to just make ends meet and i remember the career center at my school being like oh well what's your plan b because i know you want to be an entertainment lawyer but what's your plan b and i said i don't have a plan b what are you talking about and they were like well like a small litigation firm and i'm like absolutely not i'm not spending 
hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to law school to go do something that makes me miserable, I will bartend instead. <laughs> something that sounds, there's nothing worse than having to sit through arbitrations, mediations, litigation, where some pompous ass is trying to <laughs> blow up their chest and their ego in any way possible to scare someone into a date to fucking settle something. Uh, I couldn't and fucking... Uh, look, no, thank no, you. no disrespect to litigators. They are seriously some of the smartest people I've ever met, and I learned so much from working with them, but that is not for me. I am not meant to be in a courtroom. <laughs> no, too yeah. fake for me. I'm not saying that they're fake, but it's a presentation it's a for a reason. Yes. Um, and so I was really fortunate. I graduated. I took the bar exam and, and um, coincidentally, the firm I had interned at had just brought on this uh, really big client that needed a lot of work. And I was hired just to work on that art. Um it was a Meadow World Peace, the basketball player. Oh, cool. Who is very and original, to my heart. too. That's somebody yeah. that marches to the beat of their own <laughs> drum, like like no other. Yeah. He is just such a lovely person and he had so much work going on. And that was my entry into entertainment. <laughs> that's an amazing door to walk through. Um, I don't think Thanks. that that's something that most people get walking into the entertainment industry. And being able to come in an environment where you have someone that you're working with that has that type of perspective on the world and reality really Bye. gives you a chance to foster a much better approach to your passion and in entering that world. Mm -hmm. um, I Definitely. think that's probably one of the reasons that you're really successful at what you do. Um, in oh, addition yeah, to, um, like I said earlier, when I called BS on you, um, <laughs> For those of you out there, go ahead and Google Jody, and don't do it for her LinkedIn. Don't do it for <laughs> Instagram or uh, the regular website for the law firm. You'll be going there later. It's in the show notes. Just look through the countless songs that right. she has credit for. So you have the most insane background in music with all these different people, but can you tell me what art you're creating today? Yes. Uh, I am helping my clients create pop music that you hear on the radio. Um, hip hop, but I consider that to be pop music. I don't really like to use that subgenre uh -huh. at all. Um, and dance music. I represent the Mac Records and a number of other dance artists and DJs. And um, so that is, I, I help people make music that makes people happy um that's i guess my art and running a business which is an art in and of itself and i freaking love it and i you know over the last few years there's been a real wave of uh lawyers my level or some even younger going out on their own and um starting their own firms starting their own businesses and you know we've talked a lot about that and that to me is also just so exciting for the the legal industry and entertainment because you see these young lawyers doing something different because they've worked at the big firm. They see, you know, how things have been done traditionally and they are trying to forge a new path. So I think that's some entrepreneurial art, I would say. <laughs> entrepreneurial art, but um, you get writing credits and things like that. You're really helping people put and structure their art together. Do, it seems as if you're in a unique position in that you're not identifying existing artists that are making bank and doing all these things and trying to woo them to be your client and all this other BS. Sounds to me like you're finding the marginalized artist that is super creative and is on the cusp of something that they could really do great and not giving her. them that leg up and allowing them to enter the entertainment industry with an equal footing not being taken advantage yeah. of not being groomed into the industry and made to look one way while the other things happen in the other i mean it's it's simply a shell game at that point but having someone to advocate for people that is part of the industry who knows it in and out is a very unique role um i can't tell you how yes. appreciative i am of people like that uh just because i'm passionate about music, passionate about art. And I feel like 
so many artists and so much art dies because of the lack of support for people that are truly pursuing their art because they're not going to be somebody that's in the best position to do all the things you're saying. You don't yes. get to be an artist because you're an entrepreneur at the same time and you know how to run an organization and you know, how no, it's okay. the same thing that happens in the sports industry. It's an instant take advantage of the, not ignorance. Well, it is ignorance, but the lack of experience in those types of scenarios. Absolutely. Um, you know, you're really touching on specifically a huge clientele of mine, which is the producer songwriter world. Um, you know, I think that the producers and songwriter from this is getting to an earlier point you made are those, you know, those muses that get into the room and, you know, they, they play a, again, they play a muse, they play a therapist, they play, uh, the, uh, the guide, you know, in helping artists create music. And, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, they are the wizards uh, behind the curtains. And, um, you know, their business is so critical to the overall health of this industry, songwriters. Um, you know, there's been a ton of debate um, in the politics and in Congress and um, in you know advocacy to increase the songwriters royalty rate that they've been getting from streaming because streaming is taking over the industry thank god yes um producers and you know they have a real entrepreneurial spirit and i work very closely with them to think you know how do we make the best deals for you right now today but also set you up so that you're in a really strong position to add to bargain for a competitive publishing deal or um you know start your own companies down the line and sign your own producers and songwriters sign your own artists develop them what let's think about 10 years from now let's think about what your overall financial health looks like yeah. 10 years from now um i have a very long-term vision for my clients and that's something that i'm personally passionate about and it's why i got into this business i want people to stick around if that's what they want to do and um you know that really brings very true with the producer and songwriter world we have an upcoming guest i hope that i'm not going to mention just so mm -hmm. i don't put some bad juju on it or something not that i believe in that kind of stuff however <laughs> um this particular person works with the music industry um and has started something more recently with TikTok, you may know who this person is, um, for emerging viral artists that will have no real experience in creating a long-term career out of that initial exposure from probably their most passionate piece of art, because we don't catch on to the crap. We catch on to the one that they were most authentic in. And the best part about it is, to me, is that when you get a net, and you can capture a butterfly in the moment and bring it back with you un, you know, tainted, then you get a chance to foster an artist that isn't being squished into a mold or being told to repeat what they did the first time. There's nothing more disrespectful to the creative passion that we have inside of us than to mimic other people. It's an homage to that person a slight amount of respect, but after that, you're disrespecting your talent, your love, your art, your ability to put things out there. Nobody wants to hear themselves sing back at them. They want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> right. I completely agree with that. Yes. <laughs> um, and this is a crazy business in the sense that, you know, you can put a song up on TikTok and literally the next day it's going viral and you've got a million very high profile named record labels reaching out to you. Everyone's trying to sign you throwing you know millions of dollars at you literally and if you don't have a team i you know i really worry about that person's ability to weather the storm of what this industry can be and I, I uh, have. It, it's a really it's a real you know issue that you really do have to think about if you're an artist and putting your music out there you've got to admit you're powerless in certain scenarios okay. and that you need a guide very hard because the expectation is that an artist or an athlete or whoever they are has their shit together that you're going to talk to them and they're going to tell you the things you don't know what you don't realize is that they know their art 
don't right. know the other shit. Right. Right? Because you only know things after you go through things. That's how experiences work. Right. I think that this is a good place to have you discuss with us the systemic um, racial divide that there is in the dealings with music contracts over time that you've seen, obviously, since you've been an advocate for artists, there is a huge gap. I mean, without people like the Wu-Tang Clan, we would watch, you know, hip hop just get devoured. Right. <laughs> right. And that and that's a, a huge part of my business is um, that genre of music. Uh, you know, historically, um, black musicians weren't royalties. They, you know, signed away their rights and no one really thought anything it and um you know with everything that that happened over the last couple of years um you know really starting with you know george uh, george floyd incident um you know to its credit the industry has truly been looking at these old deals and thinking about how can they revise them to be more fair to those veteran creators going back looking at the agreements seeing um you know what they can change if they're unrecouped after yeah. so many years, maybe they'll forgive those balances and, and write them off. Um, you know, so there have been certainly some really credible uh, changes being made. Um, you know, when I look at agreements, and this plays in a lot with my executive work as well. I work with a lot of executives in the industry. Um, you know, and this this goes to black executives and, and female executives. Um, basically, the underrepresented in this industry. Um, it's really, really important. The marginalized yes. <laughs> in the, within the group. Yes. I'm those are, those are my, that's my crew. Um, it's really important for me to know what the market rate is. It's really important for me to know, uh, you know, what other people are getting as far as salaries go and just overall packages. Um, what are the record deals looking like for certain artists versus others? Um, understanding, uh, you know, certain challenges that maybe certain demographics have at home versus others and being conscious of those when I'm negotiating deals, making sure that, uh, you know, we're getting the right um, bells and whistles, so to speak, when it comes to certain how advances are structured, how royalties are being mm. paid out. Um, accountings are, you know, a, a to a lay person, very boring part of the agreement, but absolutely critical. You need a damn actuary <laughs> to get through royalties. Yes, it like, is. Like, no, a, thank you. Looking at that shit, no. It is a learned art. Yes. I would hire somebody in a second <laughs> for that job. Yes. <laughs> um, but that's really where the long-term wealth comes from. You know, those royalties, making sure that, you know, you have transparency in your accounting and something that we are really trying to fight for uh you know because we don't know what the licensing deals are between the labels and the dsps and those are locked up under ndas and you can't get it you know they're confidential ndas so. are the devil man <laughs> sorry ndas are the devil they the way that not just ndas but those agreements where you're not allowed to work with other companies uh -huh. or you know, you're not allowed to sell your art after the fact, That's even right. if it's your art or your art belongs to somebody else because you created it during a time frame. Doesn't matter if you were sitting on the toilet writing a fucking song. <laughs> it belongs to them, which is not yes. cool to me. That's yes. my time. Right. You know, ownership that, you know, you touched on that ownership is a, a huge issue, um, a huge power chip. Um, you know, I whenever possible, I'm really trying to have my clients own their works, whether it's uh, their, their records or the uh, underlying songs. It, to them, that gives them choices down the line where they can be selling their catalogs for you know, 20 times multiples and setting up true wealth for their families for years and years to come. But I, ownership is critical for wealth building and um you know so that's another thing that i'm very conscious about which can be uh, a systemic um you know issue historically is can these creators own their rights um do they ever get them back uh you know mm -hmm. i mean ultimately it really comes down to the client i i advise them on what i think we could do what i recommend 
But at the end of the day, the client's the boss, you know, and uh, I am here to serve them. And um, I will, if they want to do a certain way, I will explain the pros and the cons. But ultimately, I will try to get them the absolute best deal that I can. Um, with all of this in mind of thinking, how can I better their their situation? Not just now, but five, ten years from now. That's extremely noble of you to step into the shoes of someone that is taking on the marginalized people walking into the industry because let's face it there are two different types that come in there are those that come from nothing and then there are those that have the backing that, that are created like the the and honestly the created artists are the ones that are copying old artists and they're just a manufacturing system so those people that are coming to your doorstep from those situations are not people that have the financial or fiscal responsibility nor understanding of any of the things that you're discussing. Yeah. It's super difficult coming sometimes. from that. You become a parent mm -hmm. at that oh, point. Oh, yeah. Thanks, and you give a lot of guidance to somebody that would otherwise be in a you know shark tank. It, exactly. Uh, I really do view my role as the, the guidance counselor. <laughs> um, and I work very closely with the team, the manager, the business manager. To me, the team is so critical about whether or not this this talent is going to have a long-term career. Um, they they should focus on their creativity and uh, understand how their business works and in, empower their, their team members. First, make the right choice when it comes to a team member, um, which is like I said, the, hey. the lawyer, the manager, the business manager, the agent, those are your, your fundamental team members. And um, to build a really strong team around you, that's what gets you to the stadiums. Um, that's what gets you to be a Max Martin or Dr. Luke, uh, you know, these these people that are just got incredible businesses around them and um, continue to just turn out hits de decades and decades later. Um, you know, and so that's- An yeah. artist left alone is is a machine for so much good yeah. shit we've seen the artists that have had that team around them that you just described okay. right that's the dream team okay. those people in place are people that you understand and that understand you and that it becomes a familial bond where mm -hmm. everybody's looking out for everybody 100 that's unstoppable yeah look at people drake Dre is a yeah. prime example of somebody who could hide himself from that business aspect and be an artist when it was time to be an artist. And he couldn't have done that without having a team. So especially later in his yes. career, because he was done, flushed, boom, and then came back like nothing yeah. happened. And you know what I love about Dre's story too, from the lawyer side is that he has worked with a, a wonderful lawyer um, since literally he got started. And they are so close and they've worked through, you know, worked together for decades and and gone through all of those developments together. And that that to me, as a lawyer, that's what I aspire for with that type of relationship with my client to see them grow like a, a path like Joy has. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that you want that for the people that are sitting in front of you. Um I want to flip the coin for a moment. We're talking about the artists. We're talking about the creators. We're talking about the minds behind what brings us joy when we're walking around that we've dedicated our mindful moments because we're not using them for ourselves. So what you're describing is handing away or people are donating their mindful moments to the ears of the people that are not ready to find their own. And to me, that is a gift. And it's something that you're taking care of those people with. But I'm curious, when approaching the other side of the coin, there's a grouping of people, and I believe inherently that people are not bad. I don't think people are looking for hurting other people. They're only looking for what they've been taught for self-preservation. Okay. And I feel like a unique person like yourself gets an opportunity when sitting in a room with these two types of people or going back and forth between rooms, however it's being done. Do you find yourself becoming an educator for empathy and understanding on the part of the artist to these people? Yeah, absolutely. 
<laughs> I said artist. That was very yeah, rude. I, said I that. would say absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, I really, I, you know, when I'm representing the artist, I, I really do encourage people to try to be as fair as possible um, in their deal making. Uh, you know, one because you know I've represented a lot of artists that have very, very competitive deals, and I don't necessarily know if that's great for them in the long run. Um, especially if they're new artists, because it puts a lot of pressure on them Mm -hmm. to perform and to put the music out that resonates. And, uh, you know, it, it, it can put a lot of stress on the relationship between the artist and the label. Um, if it's a huge deal and the music doesn't meet the label's expectations, and then that means there's less patience for artist development. And so getting back to your, your, your question about compassion and and when and I, I try to counsel the artist like yes you could get this amount of money in your deal is that the right thing to be is that the right move for your overall career though like is that going to be are you going to be regretting that in five mm. years from now um i hope that answered your question <laughs> but i think there's no I try it, to, it makes perfect I try sense to lawyer so that both sides walk away feeling like they got something from the deal and they feel excited about it. Um, that to me is the the good start of a working relationship. I love that. Um, having the opportunity to change people's perspectives. And I think with regard to artists is something that's very important because an artist isn't protected in these environments. Um, and a protected artist we've said creates unbelievable art um if they're allowed to be within the confines of you know their art and not be poked and prodded from the outside or told to repeat the same (laughs) song over and over and over it just written different ways you know um that was one of the things that i did want to branch off to because i love when people have like an eclectic set of art that just everything is different and when i was looking through yours we're fans, obviously. Gary's, um, you know, part of the show. He's with the UFC, um, working on Tough, and we've had um, uh, wrestlers um, that we love, and we had Ellie Neidhart, who was Jim the Anvil Neidhart's wife. She came on, stuff like that. But as I was looking through all the credits and things that you had, there was one that stuck out to me. You're involved with a lot of walkout WWEF <laughs> types of things. That is so cool. Walkout <laughs> music to me is amazing. It It is something that is so underrated because it sets a stage, a tone. So tell me about what it's like being involved in something that's got to so be so funny. Fun. Um, yeah, it's true. That was definitely a, a really interesting turn in my career a few years ago. Um, at, at, the, uh, at my previous room as a partner, uh, there was a music production company and they did all of the music for yeah at EWE uh for a long time and um I did the deals and so uh yeah it was really fun to like hear the music production company come up with yeah the walkout music and <laughs> definitely yeah walkout I didn't know I was amazing. gonna be involved with that but I was yeah <laughs> You know, it was it, it was kind of like working with Men of World Peace. I I didn't know my career would would take instruction, but here we are, and I'm going to learn how to do it, and this is fun. And um, you know, it was, yeah. And now people like you are really that world pick that up, and it's a really fun talking point. <laughs> and I'm I'm honestly more fascinated Thanks. with wrestling now than I ever was, except for when I was a child. Loved it when I was a kid because it was a reprieve from shitty upbringing or scenarios. It was when everybody was happy. So you got happy, sat in front of that TV, and nobody was fighting. There wasn't the other issues going on. That said, now, I kind of strayed away from it for a lot of years because it had negative connotations to me for Uh the people that liked it. I had a weird, bizarre mindset, right? Um, Then... In my more recent years, revisiting it, looking at the entertainment industry and the different facets of things. And one thing that stuck out to me was that wrestling Uh is authentic. Those 
are artists. The wrestlers, the people that are out there, the entertainers are special. That's a special group of people that caters to the people Uh that nobody wants to cater to or thinks that they're not good enough to sit around them. When in reality, they'll have every single walk of life around them from disabled to, or, you know, other able, whatever it is, they will make it special for anybody that's there. And I think the reason that it works is they love Mm -hmm. what they're doing. I think that's the secret sauce for any quote, right? (laughs) Yeah. It really is. But that's a rare thing to yeah. find in life. Now, are you passionate um, about boxing too, or is it just wrestling? Are they joint? Are they? I, I'm passionate about okay. people. <laughs> that's a good answer. I'm passionate about people. I so with uh-huh. music, you know, I, I love music, but I grew up poor. I didn't have CDs, yeah. tapes, and all these things sitting around. I have lyrics. In fact, every song out there, I never had a romance with it for its uh, words. It was always for the underlying feeling that you got from the instruments or a voice to me uh, was an instrument until more recently. It went in with everything else. And if that person had passion that was singing in key with everything else that was produced, it didn't matter what they were saying. Yeah. Because it was being said simply through the fact that they were putting it out there. I didn't have much of a love affair with that part of music. Um, but now it's it's something that I have a lot more respect for because it's a double faceted um, instrument. Not only is it on key, but it's telling a story at the same yeah. time. That's a gift. And to That's me, a I mean, gift. what's so incredible and unique about music, and I mean, this might sound so obvious, but it still gets to me on a fundamental level, is it's an art that really speaks to everyone, even if you don't even speak the language. You know, just from the, you don't have to have lyrics just to get a sense it gets into you physically and literally vibrates your body and uh that to me is what i mean i really do cry i really do think sometimes i'm doing work that saves people's lives and that sounds (laughs) it's true yeah you are not wrong (laughs) music saves people's lives if we actually took the Mm -hmm. time to look at the impact that we have on the world good bad or indifferent we would start to see that the more we love something that we're doing, the mm-hmm. larger the rock is that we're throwing in the pond. And its ripples will go so much further if we're taking yes. the time to yes. do things for people that we and love. And I think that that is, you know, what, and this gets to a point you mentioned earlier, is being passionate about what it is that you do. And then it doesn't feel so much like work. And you really do hopefully take those moments where you sit back and you think, wow, this is so special. I guess we have part of this. And, you know, call me a teenage kid, but I get so excited when I hear my clients work on the radio. There's still nothing more fun than that to me um, because you're you're behind something and you're putting it out there and hopefully helping or affecting someone else's life. And uh, that is what we do, why we do what we do. <laughs> It should be why we do what we do. And I feel like that's the crippling point that there is in society right now because people aren't Mm -hmm. doing what they should be doing with their lives on a daily basis. I want to take a step over to language um, with regard to music. Um, You're touching on something that's very near and dear to my heart because I do believe that music is the universal language. We're divided so horribly by language but we're also divided by experiences, which become lenses. I talk about them all the time. No two people can wear each other's glasses. Why? Because they have different prescriptions. Prescriptions are experiences, right? However, if I took out a giant fucking drum and I started beating it like a taiko out in fucking Japan slowly, <laughs> you would know immediately we're getting ready to do something. That's boom, right. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, right? That ain't all amped up. Yes. Right? <laughs> and then if I busted out a whole line of horns, suddenly we're going to war. We're taking on something so big. But then you pull out a violin and you put it down at a different level. Now you're in mourning. Mm. Or you're dancing around a fucking fiddle. Right? Yeah. 
But all of these things are conveying a feeling. We don't have to understand what the song is about. We have to understand what the feeling is. Yeah. The feeling is what the language is. It's the the way that it influences how you feel in the moment. It allows you to respect the moment because music is only heard in the moment. Otherwise, it's a fucking memory. And I don't know about you, but I can't hear my memories. They call that fucking like crazy shit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so it forces you to be in tune with now. Now Definitely. is the present. Present is aptly called what it is. It's a gift. Definitely. Right? And we have to protect artists because artists are utilizing the now and giving us our future. Yeah. For me, I believe in my heart of hearts. Those languages that I'm describing are also the ones that are going down in the books. The books are what we're following as a society. Entertainment that is created from the heart writes our future. Look around you. Everything that we see and do has been on a screen before that it ever happened or pretty damn close in time, right? So the onus is on creators to utilize the time that they're dedicating to their art to make something worthwhile. Yes. And I see you fostering the people that are putting out art that's worthwhile. When I listen to the lyrics of different things that you're behind, none of them are degrading. None of yes. them are anything that make you feel like you're up against somebody else. It sounds like things that are happy, yes. uniting, and nobody selects those people as their clients. That's not the norm. <laughs> and I like to I like to give guests that come on here that dedicate their time to other people the accolades they deserve because Thank we're not you. told enough that we're doing the right things for others but you're also doing the right thing on a big stage you're showing other people how they can navigate things and i appreciate that and teaching that language to everybody is one that will stand the test of time that's why we play songs over and over again because we need that moment again it's why it's music is a time machine yes <laughs> yes Dude, I've been standing in so many eighth grade dances. <laughs> Almost the sun come on, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. You're just thinking about a moment or yes. that time that you were driving here or wherever it is. That honestly to me proves there's no such thing as time, but that's another mm -hmm. episode. Because <laughs> yes. if it can resonate at the same level at any point in time throughout your life, it just means it's always there. It's whether or not you're accepting it, something you're reflecting on enjoy it while it's here yeah it's so interesting to hear you say that from you know having taken a macro view of uh the credits really because i actually didn't really see it that way and it's thank you for sharing that because that that is really a nice theme in the work that my clients do that yeah you're right it, it is pretty positive uplifting uh good message music um and you know i it's not that that actually was an intentional choice. I think that's probably just who I gravitate towards and <laughs> it's who gravitates towards me. I mean, I'm, you know, kind of a hippie in my <laughs> off time. So, <laughs> yeah. So know that you've got a phenomenal clientele. Aww, thank you. That should tell you anything that you've got a laundry list of people yeah. that are doing good things. Yeah. That's it's, probably, again, why you're successful. It's been a good, yeah, I've, I've been really uh, lucky to work with some really amazing people over the course of my career. And, um, you know, that I'm I'm not working with them now. It, it, there's so many wonderful memories of what we were able to accomplish together. And uh, no, it's so, it's so exciting. And, uh, you know, it continues to be really exciting. I mean, my clients are doing really... Uh, I, I mean, one of my clients just had a new single come out last week um, with Gochi, and it's just so, it's such a great song. Oh, shit. Yeah, it, Gochi's in Florida, Tampa, right? I, I think thought so, yeah. Here. Um, this, this client, Jay White, he produced the record, and uh, yeah, he, he's so gifted, um, Jay White. And so, yeah, you can hear his keys, and then he's got... Um, and vocals towards the end of the song so it's you know it's just another oh, thing i love it 
we're playing a song on repeat and it just sounds so good. <laughs> My wife um, will repeat the shit out of a song like <laughs> nobody's <too>. business. <laughs> My God, dude. Anytime any boy band from the 90s or early 2000s releases something of some sort or is still touring, she will hammer their music <laughs> catalog <laughs> into the ground for like three months before the concert. That's what you're meant like, to I'm do. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm the type of person that gets afraid that I'm not going to like oh, it okay. if I listen to it too many times. I did this. Um, I call it the Golden Graham phenomenon. <laughs> Right. In my life, I grew up with next to nothing. And one thing that kids prize a lot as children from my generation was cereal. Oh, Cereal was the fucking jam. Here? It came with a prize. It was elite. It was that everything about your morning. Yep. Oh, yeah. The mm -hmm. box. And you didn't want the one that had the fucking dot to dot on the back. <laughs> you wanted one with a legit toy yes. in it. I didn't get either one of those. I got bags. I got bags of like puffed wheat, you know, that said nothing. I mean, like no flavor, just eating like a bowl of floating oats yeah. or some shit like that. So when I joined the army, I got myself a paycheck. <laughs> the first thing I did, I remember I had had golden grams at somebody's house before and thinking that it was the most amazing breakfast I'd ever <laughs> had in my life. I was like, this shit is so good. And I went out and I bought so many boxes of oh, grams, so and I ate them and ate them. Oh, hell no. <laughs> I couldn't look at a graham cracker for like a fucking year. Oh, like, I, I mean, if I went to a church Sunday school, I would have slapped every fucking cookie in there. <laughs> All graham crackers. I was like, I just couldn't do it. Like, it was awful. So I can't play something over yeah. and over because I'm afraid that it's going to become a golden oh gram. And then I'm PTSD not going to it yeah. for a while. <laughs> So if you're an artist out there, just know that I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> not listening to you. I'm sipping you like fine wine. Well, I like you so, so much. I'm not going to listen moment. to you a lot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know that sounds weird, but it's true. I get it. I save artists. Artists become a blanket mm -hmm. for certain emotions or a yeah. catalyst for an emotion. And those songs can be the one where you just broke up with somebody. You need that stupid crying song that breaks you down like a shotgun. Mm -hmm. And you just lay there, <laughs> you know, or yeah. you need that moment where you can scream bloody murder to a song without nobody looking. And those are those voices that are being provided to us. Heart, heart is derived from heart. Yes. That's why artists are so important. Yes. I appreciate you. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to give you a chance to tell people where they can find you, um, what they can expect if they reach out to you. And then yeah. if you have any tips for new artists that are coming up now that they can implement in order to protect themselves. Yes. Well, I'll touch on that one first. Get your team together. Uh, Every penny spent is worth it because it's an investment into the long-term health Bam. of your career. And we want people around you who are smart and helping you make educated, conscious choices. Um, if you are put, if a contract's put in front of you, get a lawyer. Doesn't matter how short it is. That doesn't mean it's easy to understand. It means that needs to be in there to protect you. Get a lawyer. Um, you know, I would say team is absolutely everything when it comes to the business of music. And it is a business. And you have to think about that. And, um, you know, if you want to get to a certain level of, of, of a, you know, being an, an artist. Um, so th that's definitely take the takeaway tips. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Then my firm's based in Los Angeles. And we, uh, you can find me on We've got a Instagram uh, handle at Shahada Law and uh, the website, um, shahadalaw.com. And um, we are, you can reach out to that website. There's a little message um, contact button there. And yeah, i uh, love to, and we're here. We're a powerful, dynamic little team. And uh, obviously we really care about what we do. So 
I love that. Get a lawyer. <laughs> I completely agree with you. Um, I can wholeheartedly understand that if I had been given a chance to exercise my creativity and my art from the beginning, I would have yeah. screwed myself so bad if I started walking through that at 18. I wouldn't have done anything yeah. right. I would have screwed up. I, would have been, I would have been a narcissist with a voice or a gift because that's all you are at that time. You don't care about yeah. anybody else when you're 16. Hell no. I know. it's And that's one of the challenges, too, about the industry is that it's a young industry. And it continues to be a young industry. And uh, you're dealing with, with, in some cases, children and literally mm. doing deals. So, you know, guys, creatives out there, um, don't just get a lawyer, get an entertainment lawyer that knows what they're doing and not just someone who's looked at like one deal. Not worth your time. Do not get into that deal that is going to stall or kill your career because you're stuck in it forever. Um, I've seen that happen and it's awful and it's really sad. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't cheap out on the lawyers. <laughs> you definitely can't. And I'm going to leave one last piece of advice because I, I talked to um, somebody yesterday about this and I like filters. I used uh, to look at things that people judged me about and artists and creators tend to be the most eclectic people. They will do shit to themselves, look different than anybody else. They'll walk around to the beat of their own drum. And while we like to assume that our choices are an expression of ourselves, and they are, they're also a way to keep assholes out of your life. So if you're That's the right. artist that said, you know what, I want a diamond under my right eye, and it's going to have <laughs> flames coming out of the corner of it because it's fucking cool, good for you. Anybody that doesn't like your flaming diamond under your right eye is a dick. They're a bad person. <laughs> yes. It's a filter. <laughs> Just turn around, walk away. They're telling you to change your clothes. They're telling you to sing a different song. They're doing anything. Okay. Your art is yours. It is your expression. Yes. Fucking tell people to go away, get lost, and move on to somebody <laughs> like Jody and her friend. Yes. Thank Sorry, you. I get a yes. little ranty every now and then, but I want people I love to know. It. Yes. So thank Me you too. so much for being that on. Up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. It's so nice to talk with you. It was absolutely amazing talking with you. And uh, remember, everybody, be cool and keep learning. Mm -hmm.